welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Samantha Skelly, who's the founder of Hungry for Happiness, a movement to empower women to overcome their disordered eating and body image issues. We're discussing her book, Hungry for Happiness, One Woman's Guide from Fighting Food to Fighting Freedom. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So what inspired you to, to start this journey well, I grew up as a dancer and a child actress. So basically, um, when I wasn't on a stage, I was in front of the camera. And my whole life, my body was kind of like the focal point of my success, if you will, when I was working in those industries. And so it really didn't affect me to the point where I was acting, like where my behaviors would change or my diet would change. But as soon as I stopped acting and dancing, I developed a super unhealthy relationship with food and my body and um, was on over 50 diets in less than four years and just pretty much had no idea how to eat like a normal person. And so I went through that cycle of like dieting, binging, dieting, binging for years and um, realized that I wasn't getting anywhere and I was only digging myself into a deeper hole. And I'm like, this isn't working. Like I, there's, there's something emotional here. And so I then spent the next three and a half years of my life just digging into what was that emotional side of, of everything. And, um, how can I, how can I heal that? And so, so my relationship with food isn't, isn't affected. And so after I did that, I realized that this was my mission. Like all I want to do now on this planet is revolutionize the weight loss industry by helping people identify the emotional weight that they're holding on to that the physical weight is representing. Cause I firmly believe that our, our beliefs are everything when it comes to weight loss. And it's not, it's not so much about what we're eating and the diets that we're going on and how much we're exercising or if we're doing the right plan, but it's way more to do with our, our beliefs around that. And so that was, that was the birth of hungry for happiness. And, uh, been history ever since. Well, that's awesome. I'm just going to go back a little bit in your story. What did the the dieting and binging look like? It was like every single Monday I would start a new diet. Every single Monday I would like research like, okay, what, what celebrities are doing, what diets, what's good now? And I would do like you know, like all of them, like like Weight Watchers and the cabbage soup diet and like fasting and juice cleanses and everything to try and to try and lose weight or to try and you know re- maintain my weight, and um, I, that would last for a few days, and then I would give up, throw in the towel, and then I would gain all the weight back plus more, and and I just went through that whole rigmarole for years and years and years on end. Well, I, I think that um, that the line of thinking that you were on, I think, is really common. It's actually really hard not to think that way. So, so what were you feeling about your body? What was it that you were disliking so much? Well, it's interesting because it, like, as I as I dug into it, I realized like it wasn't it wasn't even my body at all. I thought it was at the time. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not fit enough. I don't have, you know 
I'm not toned enough, whatever it was, but as I went through my healing journey, I realized that it was all a self-love problem. It had nothing to do with my body at all because I'm the exact same weight now that I was then, and I love my body. So it wasn't my, it wasn't my body. It was, the, it was the relationship to my body that was taking the hit, and that was all rooted in lack of self-love, lack of self-acceptance, not feeling deserving, worthy, and all of that. So um, I, I think this is very common. Um, I've, I've done a show on on eating disorders before, and um, I, you know, I lent that book actually to quite a few friends, and there wasn't one Aww. woman who who read it who didn't find themselves in that. And I, and I think the same mm-hmm. is with with your story. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot mm-hmm. of men that could probably say that too. We're just we're focused more on the women today, um, but. What what did it feel like when you were in the middle of that? Just so that people can try to recognize if they're in the middle of it. What what was happening in your head? Mm. What were you saying to yourself? What was going on? So it would be like me waking up in the morning, and my alarm clock goes off, and then just being super overwhelmed with life. <laughs> super overwhelmed with. <laughs> The, the first thought was like, oh, my God, what did I eat last night? How much do I have to exercise? How much do I have to restrict today? What am I going to wear? I don't feel comfortable in my clothes. I feel guilty. I got a calorie count. I don't got it. It was, it was a constant battle and fight in my mind. And, yeah, it, so that and 80% of my day was spent obsessing, analyzing, worrying. I didn't want to look in the mirrors. I would socially isolate myself. I didn't want to go for dinners with my friends. Um, you know, weekends away, didn't really want to do that. And I'm the most extroverted social butterfly person in the entire world. So that was like so out of character for me. It was just taking over my happiness. It was literally hijacking my life. And, um, and I, I, I just felt completely consumed and ruled by it. Um, so, so with the, um, I mean, you were consumed in rule, but it sounded like it was more the the body image. So when we're talking about the food part, and of course you, you're telling us that you're you're flip flopping between yo yo dieting and and binging, um, but. I think, and I've had this conversation with people before, there seems to be a fine line because food is a big part of our society. We do use it to celebrate. We do need to enjoy it. And and so those things are okay, but, but it can be, and we use it for comfort, of course, as well. And that's a big deal for a lot of people. But where do you find that line between you're doing this to celebrate and enjoy what you're eating because we're supposed to enjoy it and that it's a problem, what's happening? as a problem. That really comes down to the intentionality behind why we're consuming. So if we are putting food in our mouth because, so I have this thing in my life called the 20% rule. And it's basically like, I'll ask myself at any time of my day, how can I make this experience 20% better? And so I, I did this just before I hopped on this call. I was like, what would make this experience 20% better? So I lit a candle and I put my diffuser on because that for me is like, helping my environment to make me feel better. Um, That could mean having a bath. That could mean having a nap, going for a walk, and that could also include food. And so the intentionality behind me consuming is not I need to numb the emotion in my body, but more so I want to enhance this moment through through the channel of food, which I do constantly, but it's not coming from a place of I want to numb my body versus binge eating, which would be, so that would be like, so, so people talk about emotional eating, but they don't talk about like the positive side of emotional eating. That, that would be emotional eating because I'm, I'm, I want to enhance an emotion. Binge eating to numb 
numb emotion would be the intentionality behind that would be I want to numb out I don't want to feel this and that's when we use food as a drug so it's not about enhancing moments it's about it's about numbing our current experience because we're too uncomfortable or we don't have the tools to heal it so when you realize this was a an issue for you what what happened to make you realize what was happening was unhealthy I I hid it for so long from my friends and family because I was ashamed of it. And it wasn't until a friend of mine came up to me and said, Sam, this is an issue. We all know what you're going through. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I guess it's not so hidden anymore. And so it literally wasn't until someone approached me. Um, Now, would I have figured it out on my own? Yeah, probably. But I I probably would have prolonged my suffering for a few more years. But because it was so in my face, and I was like, okay, they're right. I need to do something about this. It made it a lot easier for me to take action right away. And then, um, I, I mean, it's easy to say now, I'm sure, then you took action. But I'm guessing at the time, it wasn't easy, that easy. No, it was the hardest thing in the whole world. Like, I had, to, I had to, like, surrender my addiction to being skinny. And I had to surrender. It, it, it came to a point where it's, like, my mental health needed to take priority over my body image. And that's, that's, like, that's what I tell my clients all the time. And until your priority is your body image over your mental health, you're going to stay stuck in a cycle. And so I had to be okay with gaining weight, even though I knew I wouldn't gain weight, I had to be okay with it. Um, and I, I didn't gain weight because once I started to like really use food for health and hunger, I would only eat what my body needed and wanted. And so then it was a lot easier for me to, um, it was a lot easier for me to maintain my, my set point weight, which is the weight my body naturally wants to be at. But, yeah, I mean, that, that, that took a lot of, like, trust, which I didn't have in myself, so I had to just, like, surrender and, like, trust whatever um, to, to be able to get me through that. So um, you said you had an addiction to being skinny. How did you come up mm-hmm. with that that was going on? Because that's not something people talk about, that it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. So what, yeah. where did that come from? Well, it, basically, it, it was like the story I made up around in my head is if I'm not skinny, I won't be loved. That was the story I had. Or if I'm not fit, or I won't be loved. Because my entire life, I was always praised on accomplishment and like my ability to perform. May that be on stage uh, dancing or acting or whatever it was. And it was like, West Ham, you're so strong, you're so athletic, you're so this, you're so dedicated, you're so committed. And so I metabolized that internalize that as when I'm skinny and fit, I, I feel loved. And so the fear was if I don't do that, I'm not going to be loved. So you said earlier that when you were in, you know, when you were dancing and acting, this hadn't started then, but do you think that being in that industry had played a role with how you were set up later? For sure. For sure. I mean, it didn't um, affect me when I was in it because I was so in it and I was younger and I didn't have the emotional intelligence that I do now. Um, but it affected me after, uh, during that four years, it affected me after, like I quit dancing and acting and then four years of just being obsessed with dieting, that's when it affected me. And then I had to do like the, the repair work (laughs) for three years after that. 
Well, you know, you were actually in the industry. A lot of us, uh, a lot of us are just observing the industry, and um, they are not a representative of what most of us look like. I think we're we're past fifty percent of the population being overweight in North America, and um, we're still getting magazines photoshopped and and women, you know, not looking like. A normal woman even though there's a big trend to change that but it still is in the works and mm-hmm. um, you know I can imagine um, even though you're saying it wasn't affecting you you know how were things that happen when we're children do affect us later and there must have been something mm-hmm. that you know set you up for those those changes later totally totally I, it's like the yeah I it didn't come out in my behavior when I was younger but it was definitely a belief in my body that then, um, you know, came into effect in my behaviors later on. Yeah, because in the industry, you know, you have to meet a certain standard of how you look. And, and, and I can imagine you were just always doing that and it was normal for you, but then you, you weren't doing it anymore. You, and and, mm-hmm. and uh, the, pre- the pressure, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed in your book that the pressure just um, changed from it mm-hmm. being, you weren't dancing anymore. You were the only one creating that pressure, mm-hmm. but the thoughts were still there of, of what you had grown up with. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting. One of my biggest passions is I want to I want to educate, you know, young girls and dancers um, on what I what I went through. More more of like a passion project. I don't work with young girls at the moment, but it's definitely something that I want to get into later on because it's just it's just so important to have that foundational self love as we go through you know competitions and auditioning and competing and yada 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 yada. Well, and and I think if we can change our core belief when we're younger and just have that set up, we would save ourselves those years of misery about who we are and learn to Uh love ourselves earlier on rather than, you know, looking at those magazines when you're a teenager and going, Uh Oh, I wish I was like that. And, and not the other, you know, learning to love ourselves. Uh Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. Um, We're talking today with Samantha Skelly, and we're discussing her book, Hungry for Happiness. We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're speaking with Samantha Skelly, and she is the founder of Hungry for Happiness, and we're discussing her book under the same title. So, Samantha, um, can you just explain to us what the dangers of of this yo-yo dieting that you were doing, the dieting and binging, is actually for our bodies? What's actually happening when we're doing that? Well, I mean, if we if we if we just put put the physical damage to to the side for a second and just look at the emotional damage that we're doing, I think that that is that has more leverage because when we're in that experience of diet binge, diet binge, diet binge, the the story that we're making up around that is I'm a failure, I have no willpower, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be able to do that, do this, and that belief does not only stay exclusive to dieting and binging, but it percolates into every single area of our lives. And so when I was in that experience, I was telling myself those things, everything was affected, my relationship, my career, my friends, family, everything, because I was addicted to the story that I wasn't good enough and I didn't have any willpower. And so so there's that side of things. And then the body side of things as well. I mean, we're not truly honoring the, the cycles of our body. We're not honoring what our body actually wants. Our mind is overpowering the intuitive guidance of our body, which is way wiser than our mind. And so we become separated and disconnected from our bodies, which is, you know, it, which is truly the root of all breakdown when it comes to relationships with our body and being healthy. Because if we can't listen to our body's calls, we can't listen to our, what our body is communicating to us, we end up developing all sorts of, of not only emotional but physical ailments uh, throughout our system. So, um, when we're separated and disconnected, is this part of the, like you said, you wouldn't look in a mirror and, and you wouldn't, you know, basically you're not acknowledging yourself. Mm. You're not, you're not mm-hmm. seeing yourself. Um, so what, I mean, is that, is there more to that as well that people would experience? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, the, the disconnection comes from like all sorts of things. That That's just one behavior, right? It's like I was in denial of what it. I didn't want to look at it for what it is. I wanted to just run away from it. And I think that's what we're doing with in, in life with our bodies constantly is we're either creating connection or we're driving disconnection. And so what we need to do, we need to feel in order to heal. So in order to heal our bodies and heal our emotionality, we need to connect into our bodies. But for me, I was so scared of doing that because I didn't want to be in my body. I didn't want to recognize what was going on. And so it took me, it took a lot of courage for me to actually acknowledge what was going on, be in my body and learn and and truly understand that in order for me to heal, I I absolutely had to feel, I had to feel into my body. And so it it creates this, this, this this need for self-acceptance no matter what. So whatever it is, accept it. And so 
something I say that may be controversial for a lot of people is like, it's actually okay to hate your body. And the reason why I say that is because if someone's hated their body for 30 years and then they try and love their body the next day, it's not going to work. Their brain's going to go, this doesn't make sense. But if we can accept the fact that we hate our body and if we can love the part of us that hates our body, then we can move into a place of, of actual real body love. But we have to be real with what we're, where we're at for anything to change. You know, I I really love that you're saying that. I did uh, an interview once, and we were we were talking about um, y- y- trying to find you know the happiness. And there's a difference mm-hmm. between covering it up and pretending that it's okay, mm-hmm. and yeah. and actually acknowledging it and being real, and then finding a way mm-hmm. through the hard part. Totally, totally. Like I had to look in the mirror and go. I hate my body and that's okay. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I am like, I'm going to choose to not judge myself for the fact that I hate my body right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and it was like, it was like in, in that, in that experience, then I could actually do something about it. Cause without acceptance, without being real, without honesty, we can't transform into anything. We stay stuck. And so this is actually what my next book is about is this whole like birth of this new industry. Um, of self-acceptance and in order for us to in order for us to change anything we need to accept what is may that be our relationship with money our bank accounts our financials you know we have to accept what is and we have to have a clear picture of what is if we want to change our relationship my relationship with my partner like if we want to improve our relationship we have to figure out what it is right now like do we love it do we hate it do we hate each other do we love each other like we need to have like a clear idea of what is and whatever whatever is truth needs to be brought to the surface. Like, we can't deny truth, and truth is the portal to all transformation. And so if we're not being truthful of what is, we can't change. And I know a lot of people, I don't know how much, how many of my, the comments you read on my YouTube channel, but a lot of people, like, hate that I say that. And a lot of people are really, um, you know, they, they stop following me because they just don't want to hear that. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, everyone, I, I respect everyone's journey, but... I've worked with thousands of women now, and this is the biggest thing that helps people break free of all of this is just the acknowledgement of what is. Um, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from. I actually agree with you. I think it's um, it, it, it's like anything else. It's sort of the the hitting bottom, but the the... Um, the truth and accepting how you feel. I mean, if you hate your mm-hmm. body, um, you have to acknowledge that that's actually what going on. What's going on? Because I'm sure when you were in that mm-hmm. addiction to be skinny, you and you were mm-hmm. cycling, it wasn't something that you were saying to yourself. You were avoiding that thought. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what it sounded like. You were, you weren't being honest with yourself about how you felt. You're right. So it wasn't something yeah. that you could change because you didn't even know it was there. You weren't exactly. acknowledging it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's in the acknowledgement and in the awareness of the wound where the healing truly starts. Like, as soon as I said, I hate my body and I'm, I'm stuck in this battle, and as soon as I acknowledged that, I could, I could literally feel my body changing, like, like my, my emotions changing, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm giving myself permission to actually admit what is. I'm giving myself to, yeah. permission to admit what's, what's truly real. Yeah. So now, of course, we don't want women to go and every day tell themselves that they hate their body because I think some of us already do that. Um, Mm -hmm. What after you you uh, uh, we come to that acknowledgement, what is the next step that you you take with them so that they can start Mm -hmm. to heal what's going on? Yeah, so it's it's two parts. So 
It's the acceptance of what is with the intentionality of what we want to transform into. So it's, I fully accept the fact that I hate my body right now and I'm in the process of fully understanding how to love and accept myself at the deepest level, right? So it, it, it's the acceptance of what is with the intention of where, where we want to be. So it's not like, I hate my body and good for me, see you later, right? It's like, I hate my body, that's okay. I can love the part of me that hates my body. And I'm in the process of fully understanding how to, how to love myself, how to be integrated into my body, how to feel comfortable, how to use food for health and hunger, how to honor myself, how to be kind, how to be loving, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really about the duality of being real with where we're at and having the intentionality of where we're going and not being concerned about the how. A lot of the women that I work with are super high achievers, very, very, you know, like high achievers, corporate corporate world, very smart. And so they always want the how, you know, like, Sam, I want, I want the, the seven-step system of, like, how you do this. And it's, it's, I, can't, I can't give you that. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah, so it's, it's about the, the, the acceptance of what is with the intentionality of where, of where they want to be. Um, well, and that makes sense to me. Um, and, and I think also what, what you're doing is, is you know, when we're unconscious about that, you're bringing the consciousness to it. And, and then things mm-hmm. are going to shift from, from there, right? When, uh-huh, when you're conscious uh-huh. about the issue, um, you can work towards those changes, but you've got to make that choice and decide where you're going to take that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's so funny. Like, life is just about choices. Literally, life is about choices. The, the, the sentence that I said um, just a minute ago, we're either creating connection or driving disconnection. That's, that's, that's with everything that we do, literally everything that we do, every thought, every action, every, everything. It's like, are, are we creating connection with ourselves or are we driving disconnection? Is this, a, is this an act of self-love or is this an act of self-violence? And everything we do is a choice. And it doesn't mean that now that we know that we have to always, always choose the right decision because we're human and we screw up all the time. But it's like the intent, the overarching intention is like, I'm going to do as much as I can to create connection versus drive this connection. And so when we understand that we are like literally the creators, creators of everything and everything comes down to choice, nothing's happening to us. Everything's happening for us. And so then we're at, we're at like the, we're the directors, the, the, you know, the producer and the actors in this, in this experience that we're creating. So Samantha, one thing that, that, um, just, it is, um, brought my attention was that you're saying everything is happening for us, not, not to yeah. us. And, and I think that's an important thing to bring forward because a lot of people, especially when they're in the state, especially where you were, um, you know, they're being really hard on themselves. And I think there's also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've worked with more women in, in this situation, but there's um, sometimes a victim mentality when you're in that place. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so, so, how how did that shift for you? Just so that we can have an example, mm. when you started to recognize what was happening, and you were being honest with yourself, and you started to do this work, what changed mm-hmm. in your life? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so yeah, if we're gonna kind of like go back to that, everything is happening for me in perfect timing. That was something that I had to truly embody, and not just understand logically, but really embody. Um, cause even when, you know, I'm going through adversity and challenge, I can't forget that belief. It's something that, you know, is, is, is just, it's just a knowing for me. And so before in my life, what I thought was, um, I'm going to try and explain this. And if it doesn't make total sense, I'll go 
into it deeper. But what I believed is <laughs> all the good things in that happened to me are coming from one channel. And then all the bad things that are happening are coming from another channel. So it's like these two channels and it's either like they, they were segre- they were separated, right? So it's like, oh, this bad thing happened. Okay, well, that's this force fighting against me. Oh, this good thing happened. Okay, cool. Well, that's great because that's this channel coming towards me. And so what I had to realize is like I need to amalgamate those two and understand that everything is is only one thing. It's, it's not two. It's not separate. It's just one. And everything is actually happening for me, whether that's good or bad, light or dark, happy or sad, anxiety or happiness. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's all happening for me. And so now in my life, like when I am hitting resistance or tension or anxiety or whatever it is, rather than going into victim mentality and being like, this is happening to me, like what the, what the, What's going on? I'm like, oh, how, why is this happening for me? And it's just, it's just an easier way to exist on this planet when we understand that, like, we are literally, that the, the, we need the pain, we need the challenge, we need that stuff to make us grow and to make us stronger, better leaders, mothers, daughters, friends, business people, whatever it is. Um, well, you know, I, I agree with you. It, it's. Um it, it seems like it's more than a battle with food. It goes beyond that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It's like, it's it's not about food. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's funny. I say this constantly, but I mean, food and body is my, is my uh, like, if you, were to, if you were to look at Hungry for Happiness as like a store on like a high street, Hungry for Happiness is the, like food and body is like the door sign. But when we actually go into the store, there's, it, it has nothing to do with that, you know? And so the way that we, we quote unquote, fix our food problems is not through focusing on the food at all. Like once, we, once, once women come in the door of Hunger for Happiness, I don't talk about food at all, like at all, because it has nothing to do with the food. It's all the emotions. I'll talk about tacos because I am obsessed with tacos. But I don't talk about, like, stop eating or eating too much or, like, you know, because it doesn't matter. Like, once we heal what is driving that behavior, the behavior takes care of itself. We don't have to fixate on it. But what's happening right now in the world is, like, a lot of people are going to their doctors. They're like, I got a binge eating disorder. And the doctors put them on, like, a calorie counting app, which actually, you know, aggravates the issue even more because we're focused more on the very thing that's driving us and controlling us and making mm-hmm. us, you know, have these behaviors. And so it's, it's truly about, like not not externalizing an internal problem. Like, we can't diet our way out of binge eating. We can't exercise our way out of binge eating. We can't, like, educate our way out of binge eating. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, we're we're going to talk about this more after the break. We're talking today with Samantha Skelly, and we're discussing her book, uh, Hungry for Happiness. We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Today, we're talking with Samantha Skelly. She's the author of Hungry for Happiness. So, Samantha, one thing that you you touch on with your book, and we touched on this before the break, is um, that this is more than food. Um, This Mm. is, um, you know, about control, I think, is is what it seems to be. Can you just touch on what that means, Uh, especially so people can recognize what's happening in their own lives to know that this Mm. is out of out of control? really yeah good question I think a lot of women can resonate and identify with the word control freak or you know I feel like I need to always be in control and truly the root of that is not the fact that they have a control problem but they just have a trusting issue and so when we don't trust ourselves and we don't trust the natural flow of how life unfolding, we feel like we need to meddle, micromanage, and control everything. May that be career, work, our kids, our lives, our whatever. We just feel like we have to control everything because we fundamentally don't trust that we're going to be able to handle the outcome. So we put, we put ourselves in these boxes to try and control it because we want to create a controlled environment so we feel safe. Now, that's very similar when it comes to the food stuff. It's like if I follow all of these rules and follow this diet to a T and I write down everything I'm going to eat, then I'll feel safe. And so it, 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 it really comes from a place of like not trusting our bodies and not trusting ourselves. Because the moment that we trust our bodies and trust ourselves, to use food for health and hunger and get the information from our body as to what we should eat versus a diet on online, then we change the entire conversation. And so then it becomes a matter of what does my body want versus what does my mind want based on this diet that I think is going to make me lose weight or whatever. So, so it really control ultimately y- y- is a trusted issue. Yeah, you talk about this in your book, and I know a lot of women are, are probably thinking – well, but if I just let go, I'm going to be eating the chips and the, and the Halloween candy and, and the blah, mm. blah, blah, and all, all this stuff in front of me, and that's not good for me, and that's not going to help me because those are cravings. So how do we determine the difference between what our body needs and, and, and these uh-huh. cravings that we're going towards? Yeah, so it's like it's not a letting go and, and still being up in our head. It's a letting go and feeling into our body. That's the difference. So a lot of people are like, what if I let go? Then I'm going to eat the entire house down. 
I was like, well, if that's your choice, yeah, then you probably will. But it's about letting go of the rules and restriction and just feeling into our body to, and asking ourselves about our, the question of like, what does my body most need right now? And I, I used this example yesterday and I've never said this before, but I, I think this analogy makes sense. It's like a, uh, a man, it's like an automatic car, you know, it's like with the clutch or whatever. And so it's like we have the clutch in and, and then we want to slowly transition into the gas, right? You follow me so far? And so it's yep. not about like, it's not about like taking the clutch off and then like putting the gas on because we're going to like stall and we're going to stay stuck. It's about like that slow transition of like, how can I just let go like a little bit right now? And can I just like put the gas on, AKA get into my body and be a little bit more intuitive. Okay. Let me try a little bit more. And then all of a sudden like we make that shift and then we just flow and it just goes. But, but what happens is like we get fearful of that or we get stuck or we just keep the clutch on or we, we try and diet while we're being, trying to be intuitive, which doesn't work at all. Like I, I firmly say to everyone who comes to my program in society, I'm like, you can't diet. God throw away to scale and you can't diet and that freaks out a lot of people. But we can't fundamentally heal these issues if we're still dieting. And so um, the majority of the women that I work with are actually o- over 35, 40, because they've spent 20, 30 years doing it the other way. And they're like, okay, cool. This is not working at all. I need to try something completely different. And so it's, it's, I, I love it when I, when I have younger women, but it's like the, the 20 year olds aren't yet sick of the diet binge cycle yet because they've not like been in it long enough. But women who are like older are like, get me out of this thing. And I, I know it's not working for me. Yeah. Um, so when, when, when you're starting to do this work, um, do you look back and find where the issue started? Because obviously, I mean, I think most people can relate to at least acknowledging or doing something in their 20s. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot easier then as well, I think, because as part of it, our bodies are different. So we can go on a diet and actually lose that weight. And then it starts to get more difficult as we get older, which could be part of why they're so mm-hmm. frustrated and tired of it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but do you, do you look into, um, not only, you know, all these other things we've talked about, but I think for a lot of people, it starts at a young age. Uh, do mm-hmm. you ever recognize that with people and help them figure that out? We do, but it doesn't matter as much, as much as people think it does. And so, okay. yes, is it good to have context? Yeah, for sure. Like, okay, cool. Well, the reason why I am this way is because when I was six years old, you know, my dad called me fat, and now I've just been believing that my whole life and reinforcing that and whatever, whatever. However, that can be a form of distraction because a lot of times people will be like, I need to know exactly why I am the way I am and what happened and what color of pants my dad was wearing and what time it was and what season it was, blah, blah, blah. Like they start like getting obsessed with the details and they start like meddling and like trying to figure everything out when really it doesn't matter that much. It just matters like what is the feeling that I'm feeling and what is the feeling that I want to feel? Where's the deficit? Where's the gap? And how can I close that? And so the more we get consumed about like why am I the way that I am, that can be a form of like overconsumption and distraction. And so therapy does that. Like, you know, there's a lot of therapy practices that are like, go back, let's figure it out. Like timeline therapy, let's figure it out. Let's go back there. But my philosophy and like where I'm at is like what we focus on expands. So if we keep focused on like the path and keep focused on that, then we're not focused on where we want to go. And so my, my whole philosophy is like, let's get a little bit of context as to what's going on, but let's not focus on that. Let's not meddle in our path because it actually doesn't matter as much as we think that it does. 
Okay, so um, in in your book, you have some exercises that you um, have people walk through. Can you give us an example of one of them, probably the what you think is most relevant to start with or whatever, just so that people can get an idea of what to do to start recognizing this? Yeah, good question. I would start with like this whole piece of honesty that we talked about in this call, in this uh, interview. What are your what are your actual beliefs about your body? Not not what the body love movement is telling you to think, but what are your <laughs> honest thoughts about your body? Like if you, you like where are you at? And then what what's your honest relationship with food? Where are you at? Like just get like get get real about it. Get real with yourself. You don't have to share this with anyone else except for yourself. But if you can't be real with yourself, nothing's ever gonna change. You just are constantly living in denial and like living out, you know a lie, basically. So get real with yourself and then ask yourself, like, what is this costing me to stay stuck in this battle and am I prepared to do something about it? Um, life is like, I, I love helping people get over binge eating and emotional eating and, and all of that kind of stuff. That's like my ninja skill. However, what excites me even more is what women have access to after they stop spending 80% of their day obsessed with food in their body. Hmm. So, um, well, that that is a good point as well. Um, what do you do when you stop obsessing about all that stuff? You get to live your life. Like I, you know, I created a, a you know, a huge business. <laughs> I started pursuing my dreams. I got into an amazing relationship. I traveled the world because I literally was like, I can just live life on my own terms because I'm not in this battle anymore. And so it's like, whatever you want to do. So I, I took guitar lessons. I Anything, like, you know, like life is available to you once you stop obsessing and you stop hating yourself. Um, you know, it, it, um, so when, when we're doing that, that exercise, um, how does somebody go about doing that? Do they need to have a, a counselor like the way you did? You found a life coach to help you. Mm-hmm. Is it something they can do on their own? What, what are these steps so that they can um, achieve this? Come work with me. <laughs> um, I mean, could I have gotten over the battle with food in my body if I didn't seek external help? Yeah, maybe, but I probably would have prolonged my suffering for years and years and years, and I would have been, you know, trying to figure it out. Reading, Like, I, I read every blog on the internet. I watched every single YouTube video. I, I, like, tried everything until I was like, I actually need real help with this. And it wasn't until I admitted that to myself, took the leap, and trusted myself to make that happen that I actually did it and I actually saw a transformation in, in my body. Um, so I, I mean, can you, can you do it on your own? Sure. You can do anything on your own. That's what I believe. Do you need a coach? No, you don't need a coach, but will it dramatically shorten your time and, and really give you the right tools to try to get over it? Yeah, it will. So, um, you know, I've talked to, to people about um, food in my practice, and um, I, I often come up with um, people who feel like if they change things um, with how they eat or whatever, that, that their their life will kind of stop. Oh, I can't do that. Or, um, you know, I had a conversation with one man where he was like, well, my situation is different because food was a comfort for me. And, and you know, I cool. kind of was like, well, it, it is for everybody. Um, but, yeah. you know, are there, are there common thoughts that, that you come up with or that people, you know, come up with that um, – you know, and and how do they get past those those thoughts? Yeah, I think that's that's such a that's such a, a normal one. Everyone thinks they're way more unique than they are. 
when it comes to this. Like, Sam, 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 you don't understand my issue. This is this is different. And I'm like, no, girl, like, you're the same as all the other 5,000 people that I've worked with. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. it's no one, you know, it's all, we're all humans having a human experience with human pain and human suffering, and it's all the same. Like, it's, 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 it's different it's situationally, but, like, it's all literally the same, and we're dealing with the same emotional issues. And so, as much as you think, as much as you think that you're unique and special, you are special, you're amazing, of course, but your issues are, are no different than the X. Um, and so uh, what I would say to that is all of that is excuses to not transform. That's it. It's just fear. Mm. So, um, it, I mean, I'm... I- I think this comes up anytime that we're faced with change is fear. Um, and that's, that's a, you know, a good point is um, we are afraid to change. And, and I think a lot of us are afraid to, to face those, what comes up when we do change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you have to, you, you want people to look at themselves and say, I, I hate my body so they can recognize how to move forward. So yeah. how, how do we deal with that huge fear about the change and the journey in front of us? Mm, isn't that the million dollar question? <laughs> <laughs> and you only oh, got five I minutes. No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, what we focus on expands. And so I, I always say to my clients, you know, you, you know, we get this, right? It's like we play the what if game with ourselves. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if I do this? And what if I fail? I was like, you know, if you're going to play the what if game, why don't you play it from the other side of the fence? Because the subconscious mind does not know the difference between what actually happened and what didn't happen. And so when we can, when we can put in a empowering belief and an empowering narrative in that space and go like, what if I end my fight with food and I fulfill all of my dreams? What if I go on that trip that I wanted to do? What if I start that company? What if I do that? And we start to like play out that narrative versus, well, what if I fail? Like where, whatever you're creating in your mind is going to happen. So why don't you just be more creative about what you, you know, what you say after what if? Well, and it, it seems to me, I mean, we have all this fear built up about starting, and um, my experience with with what I do is the fear is there about the starting, and when yeah. once they start, once my patients start, even once I start, um, it 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 shifts, and it really it was the fear of the starting, not about yeah. what happens when you start. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One of my good friends, Kyle Cease, talks about this quite often. Um, and, and it's so true. You know, it's like I, I run these like big 300 person events um, and I don't I don't plan anything. I just kind of go on stage and start talking. Um, and the worst part of it is like starting. I get on stage and I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to say this weekend, but let's get started. You know, or like writing my book. Right. It was like, OK, I don't know where to start, but I'm just going to start or like surfing or like. God, I don't know anything. Like if we can just have a better relationship with the fact that like, let's take in like messy, imperfect action right off the bat. We can do anything. Um, like I recently moved to San Diego and I was like, Oh my God, the hardest part of that is like starting the process of like, how, how the heck am I going to do it? And I'm like, I'm just going to start. And that for me, looks like doing a Google search of like, where in San Diego do I want to live? How do I move there? Being a Canadian, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like the hardest part is just literally, starting but it's not hard we just make it hard um 
So, I mean, that, that I think comes back to also the control. So we're, we're afraid to lose control. And if doing something mm-hmm. new means stepping into the unknown and whether that's yeah. about facing, you know, the addiction to be skinny, any other addiction, any other change in our life, we're so afraid that we're going to lose control over what happens that yeah. we just don't want to go there. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Yeah, you know, it's like this is my belief. Life is happening for me in perfect timing. Everything is unfolding as it is, and so rather than trying to control everything, micromanage everything based on the lack of limitation that I have in my mind, why don't I just surrender, trust my body, trust my intuition, and be guided by that, and and let it unfold as it is supposed to unfold, versus try to <laughs> strangle life. <laughs> 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 which is um, easy, easily said when you've had years of practice. But I know you've got these women that are mm-hmm. 35, 40 years old coming to you and they've got 40 years of experience of not practicing that way and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. wanting mm-hmm. to make the change and, and not knowing how. So, yeah. so you know, yeah, we, we've discussed... Um, uh, you know these steps of the beginning, um, and then when when somebody's gone through all of this, is it something that they need to maintain? Is it something that can surface for them again, or do you find do they have a, a freedom after? That's a really great question. You know, my next book talks about this. Um, this whole piece of like, am I there yet? Am I done? Is it finished? Is it over? <laughs> and I think that's like a misconception in the personal development industry of like there's there's a there, quote unquote, right? It's like, am I finished yet? I know in my experience, because body image and food for me was such a, it was my outlet for a lot of my stress and anxiety for so long that when I don't take care of myself and I get stressed out and anxious, it's the first thing I'll be like, like the first thing my ego says is like, well, it must be your body, you know? And so, like, it's still there, and I still recognize it. Do I give into it? Of course not. Do I Do I identify with it? Absolutely not. I just observe that it's there. And so I, I think to, to, to say that you'll get to a place where you'll be magically cured and everything's going to be great for the rest of your life is misleading. And I think that's, uh, that's a lot of what is going on in the personal development industry that I don't agree with. It's like, well, this is a freaking journey, you know? Like, we, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly growing. We're constantly, like you know, getting triggered to find wounds that need to be healed on a regular basis. And so is there a finish line? No, I don't think so. Well, and I know that you you can attend some programs that are personal development and there's this promise of where you're going to be if you do this. And, um, you know, I had a a patient the other day who was upset because she had gone to a program and she wasn't there. She wasn't at that Mm -hmm. end point. And, um, you know, I think there's this great promise uh, sometimes, but the journey is actually, it's a journey. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever our journey is that we're working on, this doesn't, it doesn't change overnight. And you said it took you three years mm-hmm. after finally recognizing mm-hmm. of getting to mm-hmm. the, a, a place that you, but I'm sure, you know, especially with what you've set up, it's also something that you're mm-hmm. working on all the time. You're thinking about it. You're making the, that transformation. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, my, my, my number one goal in life, not even a goal. It's like my number one, 
got a job. Hang on. I just want to get the right word. Um, <laughs> yes. My number one commitment in life <laughs> is healing my body. And my consciousness, my soul already knows that I'm whole and perfect and I'm a being of light and love and et cetera, et cetera. But my body doesn't yet because my body's on this journey of transformation. And so it's my responsibility to constantly heal my body, get back into my body, heal any wounding, um, be kind to myself, be compassionate, slow down, take care of myself. Like that's literally my only job. And like when I can meet my needs internally, I don't look to the external world for that. And so my relationship is not meeting my needs. It's like I meet my own needs and then anything in my external world is only adding value to what is already whole, which is, which is me and, and, and not just me, everyone, you know, it's like, and so if, if I stay, you know, committed to that commitment and I continually do that, then life becomes so different because I'm not dependent on anything outside of myself to fulfill my needs. Um, which was, I think, a, a goal for, for all of us and a, a very difficult one. Um, we've talked most of this, even though we're talking about eating disorders, we, we haven't actually talked about food. We're almost at the end of the show mm. because I don't think that's what this is about. And that's what, what yeah. you're saying. It's about the control and about loving mm. yourself and accepting yourself. But I just want mm. people to understand what that looks like for you now, um, not mm-hmm. having that, the, having gone through this journey, what does how you eat look like? It's so funny. It's like, yeah, again, my body dictates that. And so I go through phases because my body goes through phases. And so right now I'm in a phase where like not really drawn to eating meat. And that's not a decision based on like, oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian because I heard you lose weight that way. That's what I used to think all the time, which, by the way, is not true. Um, But my body is just like, no, that doesn't feel good right now. Um, Dairy makes my face break out like crazy. And so anytime I have, like, even, like, even if I smell cheese, I'll get a pimple. So I know, like, that's not good for me. Like, that doesn't make me feel good. Um, And so I I don't eat when I'm not hungry. Um, I, I just, my body loves just, like, lots of veggies, big salads, like, quinoa, grains, um, tacos. <laughs> um, you Who know, doesn't like love I, tacos? I, that, oh, my God. Everyone's like, why do you to San Diego? I'm like, because the tacos are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so really, it's, it's not about my mind deciding what my body wants. It's about my body deciding and communicating it to my mind. So it's just, it's just a, a, a switch. And so I don't think about it anymore. Providing that I have nourishing, amazing food in my home, then I'm like, okay, cool. What does my body feel like right now? And so sometimes I, I won't eat until 12 o'clock just because I'm not hungry. And so I, I literally just don't eat when I'm not hungry. So, and, and I think, you know, you're, the way you're talking about food, it sounds like you're still very passionate about it. You're laughing about it. You're still eating tacos, which is um, encouraging, um, you know, because I love tacos too. And I think anybody listening, you know, most people are, are set that if you're dieting, you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to suck. Right. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fact that you, mm-hmm. you have this relationship now where you love your body, but you're also loving food and that relationship with food, I think, is is the goal that that everybody should should be achieving. And and from um, what I've I've done in, in like in, in another interview, 
her relationship with food changed where she actually stopped craving those horrible things because mm. what she was doing was shifting. So she wasn't getting the cravings mm-hmm. for, and, and if she did, mm. she ate them because she respected her body, but it wasn't the same because she wasn't restricting mm-hmm. herself anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and listening to, to what's happening in her body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just so interesting. You know, it's like the, coming home to your body is literally the the best thing in the whole world. I didn't understand. Now that, I, now that I've experienced the contrast of hating my body, being disconnected, being separated versus being integrated, loving my body, knowing that my only job here is to heal my body, it's changed everything for me. And, I, uh-huh. and, and it's, when I say it's changed everything for me, it hasn't, hang on, let me, let me figure out how to word this properly. It's, by me doing that inner work, getting an alignment and loving my body, I'm able to put my full self into life um, because I'm not constantly worried about hiding something or feeling shameful or obsessing over something or feeling guilty and all of those negative emotions. I'm able to just do life from a place of power and not force, and that feels incredible. Um, so I, I'm, I'm so happy and I hope that other people can find that. Now, if there, if somebody is looking for some help, is there any way that they can find you or your book, or your program? Mm-hmm. So we're like hungry. We're hungry for happiness basically everywhere on the internet. Um, the, our six month group coaching program is called the society, which is a six month journey to help, um, heal the relationship you have with food in your body. Um, so the link for that is um, hungryforhappiness.com slash society application. It's by application and invitation um, just so we can have a chat to make sure that it's a fit for you. But, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Hop on our mailing list. We do, like, retreats around the world. We have, um, of course, the books on Amazon. Um, we have all sorts of, of free resources, YouTube, um, everything we're we're kind of we're kind of everywhere awesome well i want to thank you so much for sharing with us today this was a great episode thank you so much for having me this was fun and i want to thank everybody for listening be sure to make today a great day thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of falling through the cracks feel alive and thrive Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 